Hey there, med school keeners. MD Consultants is the best company out there for application review and interview prep. You'll work with a customized consultant to get the best chance at admission to one of your top schools. Visit mdconsultants.ca and enter code ORTHOPOD15 for 15% off packages for pre-med students. Visit mdconsultants.ca, code ORTHOPOD15, and get into the med school of your choice. joined here by Dr. Anthony Bozzo, a graduate of the McMaster Orthopedics Program to be. He's also a graduate of the Surgeon Scientist Program, and he's headed down to New York to Memorial Sloan Kettering for his Orthopedic Oncology Fellowship next year. Thank you very much for joining me today. Happy to be here, Roger. You know, I first want to get into uh, your subspecialty, like orthopedics oncology is probably one of the less popular subspecialties. I'm just curious, like when you uh, started to identify that as your area of interest and when you started working towards it. Even while I was a medical student, I had some friends in residency and other programs, other specialties who talked to me about oncology and it was on my radar as a subspecialty. And then during my junior residency years, I noticed there were a few things that set oncology apart from other specialties. One was the opportunity to really connect with patients. I feel like we have fewer patients in our typical clinics. At McMaster, we see six to eight people in a morning or an afternoon, as opposed to your typical fracture clinics, which are are a lot busier. So there's really an opportunity to connect with patients more and to follow them long-term through an important event in their lives. And I felt that what we do, you know, we're part of a big multidisciplinary team. It's not just surgical management of sarcomas medical oncology, radiation oncology are involved. And then our decision-making meetings, we also involve pathology and radiology. So I like this multidisciplinary approach. And I like the fact that we can hopefully help our patients and make a big impact in their lives. Um, So once you figured out that that's where you were headed, how did you um, start to position yourself so that you'd be able to do the surgeon scientist program and, and have your choice of fellowships? One of the reasons I was lucky to do residency at McMaster is because we have a very strong oncology program. Uh, My mentor, who was my primary supervisor during my master's years and is our orthopedic oncology surgeon, Dr. Michelle Gert, has really been instrumental in my pathway. Um, She is not only soon to be head of the whole musculoskeletal tumor society uh, for North America, but she is leading the world's first surgical oncology trial named Parity. And then she started a second one named Safety. And so being able to do my residency alongside her, I really got to see both the possibilities in academic orthopedic oncology and and certainly clinical orthopedic oncology. Uh, So she gave me a firsthand view. As a med student, I was lucky to do a month in Calgary with the oncology team there and yeah, just various exposures along the way. And then when I was a junior resident, I had a senior resident mentor uh, named Nathan Avenue. And at first I wasn't really sure that advanced graduate degrees really made a big difference, but he showed me, he, he ended up getting a PhD while he was a resident. And he showed me that it's not just empty letters. You can make impactful research, learn real useful skills. And so uh, with Dr. Gert's support, with his um, example leading the way, I applied for the surgeon scientist program. And I was uh, really excited for those two years. You were combining basically like the, the cutting edge of computer science technology with, with orthopedics. And 
talking to like a lot of my fellow trainees, this, this is kind of an area that a lot of people are interested in, but don't know how to get involved. And, you know, like, how do you go from basically little to no computer science experience to being able to apply AI and machine learning to uh, orthopedic subspecialties? Do you have any insight on how you were able to process that steep learning curve? I also have no formal computer science training, so it is possible. Uh, the two years that I did in the surgeon scientist program afforded me some time to really dive deep into learning these skills. And because they are new emerging statistical techniques, and, and really that's the way they should be considered, is just a different way using statistical techniques to get information out of our data. Maybe a, bit, a way to get better insight from the data we already have uh, to help our patients. So during these two years, because it's so new, there weren't formal classes offered at Mac, but there are plenty of online resources, uh, some more formal uh, pay-as-you-go courses. Uh, Coursera.org was a great resource. And there are some free online textbooks on machine learning. And Fast.ai is another free resource with a lot of great resources in it. And, um, you know, a lot has changed in the field since I first started dabbling in it. At first, when I was uh, talking to some industry leaders on, okay, I want to do some machine learning and uh, analyze some big data sets, what setup do you think I need? They would say, oh, you need a $10,000 supercomputer and, uh, or apply to this company to use their supercomputing power. Uh, but then I found that you could rent GPUs in the cloud for $5 a month. And now I use Google's Colab, which is completely free and does the job. Did you go into it? with the idea that you're going to learn this skill and then figure out its application? Or did you have a specific idea in mind for how you're going to apply those skills? I definitely had a specific project in mind. And my idea was to apply machine learning to help guide the management of patients with metastatic bone disease. As we're getting better at treating patients, their primary cancer, patients are living longer with metastatic disease and we're seeing more pathologic fractures. And so as a rule of thumb, orthopedics follow Morel's criteria, something that was published decades ago and is very simple and, and pretty useful, but only has limited accuracy and can't fully guide our management, just be a rule of thumb. And so I thought, is it possible to use novel statistical techniques to maybe analyze the same data points and come to better conclusions? And so machine learning is a very broad field. And so I definitely had this targeted question that's what I focused my learning on in those specific algorithms that could help with this question. Hey, are you looking to boost your MCAT scores? Let me tell you about Prep 101. Prep 101 takes a comprehensive approach to MCAT prep. They teach you all the science, help you master the challenging passage-based format, and they hone your critical thinking and reasoning skills. When you nail these three areas, knowledge, skills, and strategies, you'll get that score. They offer 138 hours of live instruction, more than any other company. They also devote more time to guided practice and have more live instruction hours on that tricky cars section. All of this adds up to a prep course that offers more of everything you need to get top scores. So make sure you check out prep101.com casting and use discount code 350castingpod for $350 off their course. Again, if you're trying to get into school this fall, check out prep101.com casting and use discount code 350castingpod. Uh, do you feel like that experience really like set you apart in terms of like pursuing the MSK fellowship? I think 
what's true these days is that not just fellowships, but even academic institutions that will hire later really do value a graduate degree. You know, oftentimes it's what people do, not the degree that matters, but it certainly did help going into these interviews that they could see on your CV. There's already a master's degree there. And I know that even McMaster now, when they hire new academic surgeons, they either wanted to have a master's or sign up to do one uh, in their first few years of staff. For me, the training was really about learning a set of skills that I can keep applying and refining in the future, whether you know, the clinical question changes and it, it will as my focus shifts to sarcoma, but the process of knowing what data do we need and what tools are available to analyze it to get us better answers to help our patients, I think will keep driving uh, what I do in the future. Uh, were there any other considerations that you uh, had in mind when you were targeting some of these U.S. Uh, fellowship programs like uh, MSK or MD Anderson? Specifically for sarcoma fellowships, the focus is on the case volume and the uh, complexity of the cases. Because sarcoma is rare, uh, not every institution can be doing the most complex surgeries several times a week. And in the States, unlike in Canada, where sarcoma care is centralized, there are only a few centers across the country that combine uh, sarcoma surgery with medonc and radonc. In the States, this is a lot more distributed. Community hospitals can do some of it. So a lot of centers with big names may not have high case volume. In the U.S. for sarcoma, Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York and MD Anderson in Houston, Texas are the two centers that have surgical volume far and above any others. And this was apparent to me in talking to current fellows, ex-fellows from these institutions, orthopedic oncology staff. And a lot of my impression was from when I went down there and I saw their weekly indication rounds. So they discussed their cases from the past week, cases for the upcoming week. And I could really appreciate uh, the complexity of cases that they did. And so when we get essentially one year of clinical fellowship to try to understand this field, refine our skills and be able to then independently help patients, I really wanted to go to a center that had the highest volume. And for me, that was uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, at what point were you able to actually go down there and visit? Because I understand it's a bit harder to do electives and stuff at uh, U.S. institutions. Yeah, there were no electives. And I was really lucky that my interviews happened uh, just before the world shut down with COVID actually. Uh, okay. Just shifting gears now to kind of a retrospective on your residency. You know, what do you think enabled you to make it through the training program successfully? I would say one of the reasons I got into orthopedics is because of the team vibes I got from the residency teams that would work together and residency is long, you know, it can be hard, grueling hours. And so it really matters who you work with. And so I was lucky that at McMaster, I had excellent cohorts of residents to work with, great staff. So that's definitely a part of it, is uh, the environment you're in. And then another part of it that I would you know, let the junior residents know is because residency is long and because there's published data showing 50% of staff experience burnout, 50% of residents experience burnout, take care of yourself along the way. One thing we had at McMaster is the option to do a research block every year where you're free of clinical duties in the day, you do some call shifts, and that can be a nice change of pace from your typical residency hours. Uh, one block a year to recharge your batteries, you know, use your vacation well, and uh, keep yourself in shape, eat well, all that stuff. Uh, looking back, were there any other, other positive or negative, um, really like impactful learning moments that you had? You know, there are several impactful moments uh, from R5, you know, the current year, the ones that stick out the most. Uh, we're earlier in the year where I was 
was at uh, the Hamilton General, which is our primary trauma center. And I got to work with some fresh R ones. And it was some of my favorite uh, times and experiences to be able to work with the juniors, um, you know, students who I had actually known as medical students that were now first year residents. And um, teaching is a big part of what I enjoy. I love that it's part of the day-to-day fabric of our residency. And uh, so those moments hang out anytime I got to spend with the junior residents uh, when I was in R5. And then, you know, it's not always dramatic and, you know, limb or life-saving what we do, but sometimes it can approach that. And as an R5, I got a call one evening to the ICU to assess a patient who was describing a lot of leg pain. They had to intubate the patient. He was uh, previously on chemo for lymphoma. So immunocompromised. And when I assessed his lower extremity, it was consistent with necrotizing fasciitis. And so with our staff, we had to do a hip disarticulation at 1 a.m. It was actually with our other oncology uh, surgeon, Dr. David Wilson. And the patient ended up doing well, uh, fortunately. And, you know, yeah, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Wilson mentioned in passing a few weeks later, oh, but so, you know, you saved this guy's life with a diagnosis. And to him, it may not have meant anything. But for me, you know, it, was, it, it did mean a lot. And in the future, I hope with the training, I'm going to get to be able to help people like that. But, you know, just as equally impactful in R5 was this one other patient who was a non-operative fragility fracture in the lumbar spine, seen at a different hospital. And I followed this patient for two months. And for the first three weeks, she couldn't even move. Her narcotic level had to be high to keep her pain-free. She was too frail for surgery. And... At about the month point, she finally became able to sit up in her bed. It was completely non-operative management. She wasn't stable enough to walk. At two months, she hadn't walked yet. And so at that point, the hospital team, OT, PT, I made the decision she's not going to walk. We have to send her somewhere because they said they cited a lack of progress. But I saw that she had been able to sit up in bed. Her energy was back. She was gaining weight again. She was eating. She was talking. And she, I felt like she was getting there. And the place they wanted to send her to had no physio. I was in the position where I had to advocate for her to not be sent somewhere else, stay on the ortho floor, take up a bed, but at least be somewhere where she could receive physio. And sure enough, in that last month when she was there, she finally did walk. And, um, you know, her daughter was grateful. The patient was grateful. The physio team was, you know, they celebrated the day where she walked and ambulated independently. And so this year, I, I really saw that sometimes, you know, it's that dramatic surgical intervention. And sometimes it's just advocating for your patients what they need. And um, these two things uh, stuck out to me this year. Wow. Before we sign off, just uh, anything else that you'd say to the the incoming batch of R1s this this summer? Yeah, you know, residency is long. Everyone will make mistakes. Don't beat yourself too much about them, but uh, learn from everything. And then uh, for people entering orthopedics, you know, I remember when I was a first year, I would look at what the staff do and it'd be like magic and I have no idea how they can get the results that they do or do the surgeries that that they can perform. It doesn't just come magically all of a sudden. It really is bit by bit. And uh, you don't see the skills and knowledge accumulate necessarily. Um, So my message would be to just trust the process. Try to take a little bit every day. Read around your cases. Anatomy first. Everything else follows anatomy. It has to be anatomy first. And um, eventually you get there. And especially for people going, going into the McMaster program, that's the program I can relate to the most. Um, having just gone through the rural college process, like I felt like we were extremely well prepared and our program uh, got us exactly where we needed to be. So, you know, have faith, don't stress out too much, enjoy it as much as you can. And, um, you know, across the country, all training programs eventually get their graduates there. So just enjoy the process.